Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're up to, including all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. Now, last week it was announced that Jason Leventhal had sold Forefront Skis. So we talked to Jason about how this deal came about, and then we're going to introduce you to each of the members of the new leadership group at Forefront, and we talk about what the group does and doesn't intend to change about the brand and a bunch of other things as well, in addition to some stuff about, like, artificial intelligence lawnmowers. So you're welcome in advance for that. Now, just before we get going, I want to tell you about how we have teamed up with Spot to make sure that all of you know that we all now have an actually affordable option for injury insurance. And since every single one of you listening to this podcast has a crash or an accident or a wreck in your future, come on, guys, you know this is true. We don't want things to be even worse for you and even more painful because of a lack of coverage. And I know that you all know someone, and maybe you've done this yourself, who has gotten hurt, then they've not gone to the hospital because they didn't have coverage or they had super high deductibles, or they actually did go to the hospital and then got stuck with some massive medical bills. These are all very bad, but very, very common occurrences in our community and something needed to be done about it. And so I'm happy to report that Spot is addressing this really important need and will actually cover your medical bills up to $20,000 each time you get injured. And while Spot works with and covers a lot of skiers and mountain bikers and snowboarders, Spot policies cover you 24-7 worldwide. Whether you break your ankle trying to make some TikTok video or something, or you actually blow your knee out on the mountain trying to get all rad or land that new trick. Now, even better, Spot has no deductible and it is a monthly subscription, so you can cancel at any time. And Spot also works whether or not you have health insurance. That's a big deal. Spot coverage starts at $25 a month, depending on the state you live in. And so basically, that's $25 a month for $20,000 worth of coverage. So go to blister.getspot.com, check it out, sign up, and get $20,000 worth of accident coverage. That's blister.getspot.com. Again, we all know that an accident can happen to any of us on any given run or ride, and we here at Blister all just want you to have coverage. So again, that's blister.getspot.com. And now, let's go ahead and talk to Jason Leventhal and meet the new crew at Forefront. Here we go. All right, well... Jay Lev, tell us what just happened. Uh, well, I uh, sold the forefront business to some really great skiers that are going to do the right thing for the brand moving forward. Uh, that's the big picture. Um, from my perspective, a lot just happened over the last three years since I acquired it. I acquired it in 2017 from Matt Sturbins. And, um, you know, that, that, that whole... Uh, trajectory from there has been quite the entrepreneurial adventure for me. Um, you know, it's all—it's never what it seems and everything seems easier from the outside, but when you actually get into it, uh, it was pretty nutty three years. And um, But at the same time, I couldn't be prouder of what the entire team achieved together um, with the brand and um, and uh, where it's going, and uh, it's it's finally reached uh, financial stability. I think that's the most important thing for any brand. No one's trying to get rich. No one really does get rich in the ski industry. But uh, you know, a company, a business, ski brand, seasonal business is challenging, and it's got to be stable. It's got to be sustainable. You know, long term on its own. Um, and, uh, and I'm proud to say Forefront is, uh, after all the hard work that everyone's put into it, not only in the last three years, but the last 18 years. And so it was, uh, it was a great, it was a great uh, 
challenge um, and we're proud of where it is and happy, couldn't be happier with uh, its future owners now. Hmm. So to, to, to really take it to the next level, that, that's, that's the game plan now. So we're going to be introducing the team in just a second here. Just for a little more background, which of the guys here did you first start talking with about this? And how long ago was that? Um, that was a few months ago. And the entire process of finding a buyer for Forefront, you know, I took extremely seriously. I'm not I was never in this uh, to make a quick buck. It, the entire intention was uh, make sure Forefront's here for the long haul, make sure it didn't fall into the wrong hands um, three years ago um, when it was going through some very challenging financial times um, and, and always had been like any small ski company. I mean, I experienced the same thing with my own brands in the past. Um, and so I actually reached out to, you know, I, I never made it public that I was looking to sell it, but I reached out to you know skiers, uh, people in the in the, I wouldn't say necessarily the industry, but just people that are very passionate about skiing, that are in the know in terms of people that may be looking to invest or, or own a ski business. And I ended up connecting with Eric O'Brien, who's a forefront athlete, um, and who also has his own, um, you know, digital business and app. Um, and he suggested these guys, and then Charlie hit me up, uh, connected and. And it just seemed right out of the gate, like the right, you know, like it had some great potential. So great background. And let's now get some introductions going here. And so we'll start with Charlie. Um, Charlie, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Uh, sure. Yeah. Like the founder of Forefront, I grew up in southern Wisconsin, which is a terrific place to be from. <laughs> realized uh, early on that I wanted to live out west, just absolutely cherished the family annual ski trip out west. And my first opportunity, I moved to Boulder, Colorado, and went to school at CU and started skiing a whole bunch. Before that, I had never skied more than seven days a year in, in one year. And um, just absolutely fell in love with the sport and um, just free skied and got into the park scene a little bit and skied in a couple of big mountain competitions after college and started a real estate business with my brother and I'm an entrepreneur and involved in a number of different businesses in different industries and skiing is my greatest passion in life and I've been a huge fan of the Forefront brand for for many years, I'm on my third pair of Forefront skis now, and um, yeah, when when I heard that Forefront was, was being sold, I thought if there's any ski company in the world to buy, it might be Forefront. Will, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So I grew up in the Northeast. Um, skiing in, in high school in Maine and, uh, you know, working summer jobs uh, in, in like the food industry, trying to make money so I could uh, uh, be able to buy my uh, race equipment and, uh, and you know, went to uh, college in Boston. And that's where actually I met Ebby. And um, we, we've been skiing for quite a time together. And, uh, and actually through that, that's how I also met Charlie. Uh, Ebby and I were on a, a trip out in in uh, in Vail, and uh, we got into a little bit of an accident. And uh, you know, this this guy Charlie, I'd been hearing all about, had uh, led led him into the woods, and and Ebby was showing me me around. And so the first time I met Charlie was, you know, I called him from Ebby's phone, trying to figure out where we were in the in the woods. And so uh, we all kind of have that connection through skiing, but. Uh, yeah, I, I lived and grew up in the Northeast, and I moved out to California about ten years ago, and uh, and have been skiing in the uh, in the Lake Tahoe area, and and really fell in love and rediscovered skiing out west here, and um, uh, it's it's been great getting to know Jay and Sam and and the team, and and really excited about uh, you know what's what's coming up in the future. Charlie, I'm guessing you might have a detail or two to add to this anecdote that Will just told. 
<laughs> I sure, I sure do. There's a little more to the story um, about how Will and I met. I was skiing with Ebby earlier in the day and actually broke my ski, so I was stuck at the bottom. And Ebby went up for one last run to meet Will, and he went on a run that I had showed Ebby the year before, and he sent a cliff that did not have a good landing and sailed into the trees and broke several ribs and collapsed his lung. And Will didn't know how to explain to Ski Patrol where they were to help rescue Ebby. And so I'm at the base and as soon as (laughs) I saw Ebby calling and it was Will on the phone and He's like, Ebby got hurt. He's hurt real bad. He said, you would know where he is. He sent, we sent this cliff off, you know, in this area. And I was like, I know exactly where he is. So I got on the phone with Ski Patrol and told him how to get to Ebby. And he was in, he was in rough shape. I was with Ebby in the hospital then for two days while he was recovering and um, took him back to Denver and helped him get on a plane a couple days later to get home. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So Will did leave out a couple details there. <laughs> okay well, yeah ebby was turning a little bit purple uh on the side there it was a little harrowing but uh but uh we, we have continued to ski together since then <laughs> wow okay so ebby you still you still are okay going skiing with will absolutely okay. ribs are stronger than ever before so all good <laughs> Um, well, this is a nice segue, Ebby, into hearing more about your own story and background. And I, I know enough to know it's a pretty interesting one. So tell us a bit about that. Well, you, you, you will hear I'm not uh, American. I grew up in Germany, actually. Um, I was very fortunate for my parents to send me off to the U.S. though pretty early for boarding school to do an exchange program in uh, Maine, where I was on the ski team. So I skied, skied a lot, not, not deep stuff, very hard and icy and extremely cold i think the year i went there they had the coldest winter in record in like 20 years i never experienced anything like it but it was a it was a great uh refresher on formal ski training and racing and all that stuff so it, was, it made for, for for really good um training and um you know as soon as i had saved up some money i would spend more and more time out west exploring the mountains of colorado and utah and really fell in love with with the type of skiing that was taking place there I then stayed in the U.S., went to college there, met Will, got a job in New York, and as um, you know, luck had it, I was involved in the Rosinol acquisition in 2008. It's like one of my first jobs probably ever, which was awesome. We got to work with the top-level management, really making important changes, improving the business, and bringing it back to financial stability, which was probably a two-year, two-year job, more or less full-time, which was uh, was really great. And um, after that, I, I founded my own business with some friends in the IT space, um, lived in the U.S. for a bit longer, and then returned about seven years ago to Germany to um, run my family's lawnmower manufacturing business, <laughs> which is something I've been doing for yeah for about the last seven years. And then, you know, you'd, you'd think it's a very different type of business from the, from the ski business, but it's actually pretty similar. It's just upside down. The season is different time of the year but you're still reliable on the weather reliable in the seasons you know have all the same difficulties around working capital and inventory and supplying shops early but getting paid super late so you know i think i've i've really seen this type of manufacturing business these type of retail environments these type of distribution environments a few times in my life and uh so when this came around you know i mean with its differentiated uh, approach that really jason has implemented after piloting it with Chase Skis, um, it felt like it was a really great opportunity to get involved with and, and to finally be also around the product that I'm super passionate about. It. Don't get me wrong, I like our lawnmowers, but uh, I mean, skis for me is just, uh, you know, what I, what I spent doing uh, in my free time and with my good friends. So um, very excited to embark on this journey together with Will and Charlie, but also with Sam and the team at Forefront and everyone else that's involved. And it's really a big um, a big community that that uh, we're uh, super happy to join. Abby, I think if there's ever a week where we're like short on an episode for Gear 30, I might hit you up and we're just going to get into the weeds about lawnmowers. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to do that. Also because it's not going to be unplugged, but I mean, we don't make the boring push mowers that people walk behind that you can buy at Home Depot. We make super aggressive, like commercial style machines, you know, that 
the landscapers use, municipalities use on the side of the highway. So we can definitely do an episode if you want to do All that. All right. Episode. All right. This might, I wonder if this would be the world's <laughs> first like in-depth lawnmower podcast, <laughs> but that's now like on my bucket list maybe for, you know, things I need to do before I die. So, all right, I'll, I'll circle back with you on that. His lawnmowers, by the way, Jonathan, you got to go to the website. He's got remote control lawnmowers, like industrial, like cutting down trees, remote control, like crazy, crazy stuff. This is like some artificial intelligence <laughs> shit. Like now I'm afraid of the future. Like I'm going to get picked up by the lawnmower blocks at this point, man. If we keep going down this path. Okay. <laughs> and right. one of his lawnmowers is called the Ride on Bush Hog. I mean, that name is so epic. All right. We're pivoting this whole conversation. We're done with Forefront. We're just talking lawnmower shit now. So, um, oh, my God. All right. Yeah. um, Excellent. Uh, Another time. But, uh, well, Sam, last but not least, uh, but you're up now. Tell us a bit about your own background and and story. Yeah, sure. Uh, I grew up in, in New England and grew up ski racing and... Um, in high school, dropped off the, the ski race scene and started skiing in the park and such and um, connected with actually Josh Malchek, who worked under Jason for a long time and through some some people in at my home mountain, I uh, got hooked up with my first pair of twin tips. So it actually goes pretty full circle. It's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, first, first twin tips were online and then graduated high school and moved up to Vermont to go to UVM and really just focused on skiing there had classes two days a week and and skied the rest of the time so uh that's where i really focused my time on skiing and filmed a bunch and uh was a part of the the freestyle community pretty strong here in vermont and then after school me and a bunch of buddies had the urge to move west we had spent plenty of time on trips out west and scraping together college funds to put together spring trips and such but uh we landed on Bend, Oregon and moved out there and I got hurt within the first month of winter, dislocated my hip and missed the whole winter and was super bummed about that and decided that I needed to switch it up. So a bunch of homies were in Jackson and that seemed like the logical move. So I moved to Jackson and spent six winters there just cooking food in restaurants and sleeping on couches and bumping house to house. And that's where like I really fell in love with powder skiing and backcountry skiing, and, and that became my life, really. Um, was thinking that I needed to switch it up from Jackson and actually had reached out to Jason and applied for a customer service job, which he quickly told me that I would hate and didn't, didn't hire me for it because he said I would have a terrible time doing it. So kind of swept that under the rug and packed up the truck and was literally about to about to move back to Oregon for the summer. and. Jason called me and offered me a marketing coordinator position here at Forefront. So instead of going west, I turned the truck around and went east and moved back here and jumped right into it. Um, Jason taught me a, a ton really quickly and I got to grow with the brand as as we were figuring out a new business model for the brand and the, the new direction um, of Forefront. So. Jason got me up to speed quickly, and it's really been a whirlwind of three years now, bumping up positions every year and taking on more responsibility, and Jason really trusting me and and passing the keys. Um, And now with with Jason stepping away, I'm absorbing the rest of his roles that, you know, he's been super transparent and, and showing me the ways, but I haven't actually had those responsibilities, but Jason prepared me for that, and I'm super stoked to be here now as as brand manager and and moving moving forefront forward here. Jason, what was it about Sam that made you think I want to th- kind of throw the keys to the car to this guy? Yeah, so I always feel it's less important what you know coming into a job and more important uh being relentlessly passionate and relentlessly fear, fearless um, about taking on new challenges, new tasks you've never done. Like Sam will drop in same way he does when he's skiing. You know, he's like, okay, let's, you know, he'll go for it and he'll learn quickly, adjust quickly and be super open-minded to 
uh, take direction or hear experiences I've had and why maybe this makes sense and that makes sense. And then he quickly gets it. And the next time he can make his own decisions. Um, so the thing about the ski business is, you know, most people just work their way up from just literally being a skier, working at a ski shop, getting an internship, doing a little bit of this, a little that at the company. And then before you know it, they're literally running the business. This is like very normal all the way right, right up to like Rosignol and Atomic and Salmon and all these big brands. I know those people. Some of those people were interns for me at one point 20 years ago. So like it's it's just you, you, you can there's great value in coming in with a lot of knowledge, um, you know, to apply to an existing brand. But there's also great value in just understanding and having the uh, skill sets to to progress, you know, quickly and also be okay with moving extremely fast. It's seasonal business. So you're doing 12 months of business in four or five months. You know, that's a fact. And you're doing two people's jobs because there's a down down season, you know, half the year, there's nothing to do. So you, there's no reason to carry more, more people. You know, you can't afford it to have double the employees when you only need them for five months. So instead you end up honestly working a lot faster and you have to be really efficient. You got to be quick. You got to make decisions. And, you know, and I, I, you know, Sam just had that in him. He didn't have the experience. That was what he was missing. And, you know, a few years later, you can get all that by just doing it. And he was good at carving. Very good at carving. He's good at carving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Me and him are bringing carving back to the X games. Free X carving, games, yeah. real carve. Yeah. X games, real carve exhibition sport next year. We're hoping for. I like yeah. this. Okay. All I right. just, I'll just add that Sam was it was a huge part of the deal for us as well. I mean, Sam's like the core of the brand. I mean, the guy it just lives and breathes forefront, and everybody in the industry who knows him respects him. And we were super impressed with Sam on the second call. We had a first call with Jay, and and literally the the next call, Jay said this this went really well. I want you guys to meet Sam, and I want Sam to know that that I'm selling the business and I want him to meet you guys. So we, we met Sam super early on and, um, and we were really impressed with Sam and super excited to continue working with Sam and the rest of the team. So do you guys, have you already figured out and really kind of specified specific roles and titles for, you know, for Charlie and Sam and Ebby and William and Will? Or is this still, I mean, this is pretty fresh and new. So like, are you like, well, it's pretty new. So we're still kind of, it's a little amorphous right now. Or how, how defined is this or how fluid is this currently? Yeah. Yeah. It's still super new and, and we're still figuring it out to a certain extent. Um, to answer your question, Sam's kind of the got his finger on the pulse and in it day to day. And I, Charlie, am kind of overseeing product and some of the brand direction and Will is um, helping with, with technology and marketing, and Ebby's more of the business operations side, but there's crossover with everything as you can. I kind of like this thing we got going of hearing some of you talk about somebody else on this call. So Jason, tell me a little bit more about Will, either that he left out or was sort of too humble to say, but like, what is it about Will where you're like, this is what this dude is bringing to this new squad? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, well, the ski industry is, is like archaic in the way they operate. It's just the way it is. You know, it's, it's just such a broken system and everyone in the system knows it, but no one has the guts or they have too much on the line to risk making that change that has to happen, which is simply going digital, going e-commerce, you know, digital marketing is what I'm talking about. And, um, and, and every other industry, every single other industry, we're not talking, you know, this isn't like 2003 where it's like, oh, okay, well, Amazon's doing it, but of course we're not. I mean, everyone is selling direct. Everyone is marketing, you know, online and, and killing it in that way and speaking directly with their own customer service to that end user. And that's what we, that's, that's what I we really worked hard in the last three years to bring Forefront up to speed with. Forefront right now is one of the most modern ski brands in the industry, period. Like they're just, there's only, the only other one is Jay, you know, my brand uh, that kind of spearheaded this. And then there's a, there's a few others now going that way. But for the most part, it's very outdated. And Will just brings awesome background, you know, a, a sense of, 
you know, what, how to take this brand to the next level on that, in, in that aspect, you know, digital e-commerce. Um, and that's, that's how you're going to be able to, you know, as they say, you know, in Silicon Valley, it's like, you know, scale, you got to scale the business, but you don't want to do it by the traditional means, which is let's discount the hell out of these products. Right. Or let's just like water this, this, this shit down and sell it to just like every Joe Blow so that you stand for nothing. Like Sportfront really stands for something. You know what I mean? It's a brand with a strong heritage. You know, it has a, a really strong mission to progress the sport driven by the athletes through innovative products, you know. And so we, there's no option to water down this brand. That will not work. That's not what we want to do. And, and, it, and it, this is not what these guys want to do. What we want, what needs to happen is just continue to modernize and progress the, the, the brand and, and its growth through becoming just more efficient digitally and reaching more customers and having one-on-one, -on -one, really strong one-on-one -on -one relationships with even more customers by doing that, you know, through e-commerce and, and whatnot. So this is where Will's background is. And I just think he's going to bring a lot to it. And it's something that most brands in the industry simply don't have a focus on. And, and it's great to have the owner really, one of the owners really focused on that. Will, I feel like I should give you a chance to respond to all of that. Yeah. So it, in my day job, I build product and, um, you know, I continually focus on our customers. We obsess over that, you know, want to understand the market, want to understand the client's needs or the customer's needs or whoever it is and, and think about where, uh, you know, they're going and, and where we can lead. And so I think Sam and Jay have an awesome pulse on the industry. They're talking to customers day in, day out. And at the end of the day, you know, I also do a lot of investing in smaller companies. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm investing in the people here. And so, you know, I really want to amplify what Sam brings to the table and, and having that engagement with customers and understanding uh, of the market and really amplify that with technology. And so finding better ways to engage with the customers, understanding their needs, uh, the pulse, and, and use the intuition of the team that we have. And again, amplify that by being able to engage with them with either uh, ways that we can connect to the website um, and get feedback. But also because we're a direct-to-consumer business, you know, you, you don't have a store that you can walk into. So we need to find more innovative ways to be able to, to reach our customers, to help them understand the brand, understand the product, and, and again, leveraging the intuition of the team uh, and amplifying that with technology. What is it about Abby? that he would have been entrusted pretty early <laughs> with the <a laughs> seemingly important task for like his first job, basically. I'll, I think I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how this works. That's not the rules of the game, but all right, we'll let you talk. No, I think we may have not made it clear enough, but I mean, I, I don't think that either me nor Rossi really chose for me to do that job. <laughs> I was working for the company that bought Rosinol in 2008 from Quicksilver. So it was my first job working for this business that was focused on investing in very distressed businesses. And they were usually super boring ones, like, you know, I don't know, toll roads and utility companies. And I mean, things that are basically just numbers and nothing else. And I was so lucky that I got assigned to work on this job, which had always been my passion all along. And I mean, I had all my friends and colleagues working on the most boring shit you can imagine. And I was working on Rossi flying to Grenoble almost every second week and getting to know a lot of people. So that was that was an awesome learning curve right out of the get-go and, and a great way to work for that type of company. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for clarifying. Charlie, what, what would you add to what Ebby's just said? Yeah. So I, I knew I met Ebby when he was working on the Rossi Gnoll project. And I also met his boss then. And his boss is... This great guy, super core skier, and Ebby was an obvious pick in his office with a bunch of other investment banker guys and stuff as somebody who who is passionate about skiing and a cool guy who who his boss would want to spend time with on this project. So um, they skied a lot together. I got to ski with his boss, and I mean, Ebby would have been the obvious pick for me in that office too. 
Yeah, but yeah, but here, here's the thing: is you guys don't realize because you are already outside. Like an outsider coming into the ski industry sometimes is the best thing for it because you looked at it and you go, "Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this?" Like everything you looked at, I'm sure you were saying, "This makes no sense." The only reason a lot of these things are being done a certain way by these by most of the ski industry because it's always been done that way. That's the answer, you know. And there's just it, there's so, there's a lot of people, uh, a lot, especially on the distribution side and how you get product from a manufacturer to the end consumer that are so stuck in their ways and they're just over it. They are they would rather complain for the next five years and slowly go bankrupt than to stop, take a look around, see what's being done, what works, what doesn't, and and implementing a new a new distribution strategy of any sort. And, I, and this applies to like I'm not just talking e-com. There's a lot of different ways. You can apply things, uh, you know, versus 30 years ago when it was a boom in industry and everyone went to the store and uh, it was many times it was bigger than it is now in terms of participants. So, like, you just can't you can't expect to uh, continue doing the same thing, but but get a different outcome. That's what most of the ski industry is doing. Yeah, that that's correct, Jason. And I think what, what I would add is, you know, with Rosy, it was such a different type of project because it was all about resizing it and cutting things down, which are very painful to do. And there was a great team there and very, very passionate people that were involved with it. And I would argue that's the reason why Rosy is still there today and they're doing well and it's a successful company again, but it just really had to be resized and changed dramatically. This one is a very different one because this one is about building. Yeah, you know, this one is about growing, about really taking this beautiful core that has been established over the last 18, 19 years that has been kind of remodified by Jason and his team to be financially stable and, and, and able to continue on into the future. So what we're trying to do is bring new resources to the table through fresh capital, through money, you know, that wasn't always there. Even with Jason, it was super hard for him to split himself between the two brands and basically personally finance inventory throughout the year and things like that but um you know so it's fresh capital but it's also whichever way we can help through our experiences in the past and the network that we bring to the table but um the focus will be on continuing what they have been doing and letting the team and there's really a lot of very very bright people on the team that are not on this call right now let them continue what they're doing and support that in whichever way we can i'd love to throw out to the group and we'll see who wants to respond to this. What do you guys see as the most interesting opportunities that are kind of, say, immediately in front of Forefront? Yeah, I, I would say the, the growth in backcountry skiing, Forefront has a lead in that. And we're coming out this year with the tour lock system, which Eric Hoji has been working on for five or six years and it's a super exciting development it's um nothing's been done quite like this before and it's i think um we're hitting a, a growing market with a really innovative new product and i think it's going to be big for forefront sam what are your thoughts yeah i mean being a small nimble brand like we are i spend my all my time talking to our customers and our athletes like that is what my job is based around. Um, yeah, I'm doing marketing. Yeah, I'm doing product development. But like all of this is stemming from what I'm hearing from our customers and our athletes. Um, so yeah, the tour lock came to be this year. We Eric has been doing this on his own. And one day it came to the table that like, why don't we put this into our skis instead of just you doing it? Like this is something that you think is making a difference in skiing. Why wouldn't we implement that into our product? So we spent last winter busting our asses prototyping and trying different things and taking his creation and really making it into a marketable product that people would be super stoked on. Um, and I think that that goes with our entire line. We're talking to kids on our team who are skiing park or skiing powder and listening to suggestions that they're making and trying to bring new life to our product line. This year we, we redesigned the Devastator to, to be a more updated and modern ski shape while keeping the same DNA that people have loved about this ski forever, but we're making it better. We released a new kid ski that's, we're sick of doing foam core skis for kids that aren't real skis, you know, like 
people who are in forefront want their kids to be on badass skis as well. So we have a new kid ski that, that we're really stoked on. And then obviously the tour lock and, um, moving forward into the 2021 season, we have two new skis that we're working on right now. We're going to have prototypes to start the winter off. So we're way ahead of the curve on that. Now that we're finally in a good spot that we can focus more energy on that stuff and listening to what people in forums and social media and our customers via customer service and emails are talking to us. Like we're able to implement that stuff very quickly, like within a season, you know, and that's one of the strongest things about Forefront is we are so nimble. We have such a small team and we have such a pulse on what's going on with our customer base that we can quickly adapt and and bring fresh stuff to the market. And we see it this year and we'll see more of it next year. Will, what do you got? Yeah, again, we, we really want to be responsible caretakers of this brand and give it the, the capital it deserves. And so, you know, where we want to invest is, is in marketing and helping reach more customers that, that can identify with the brand. We don't want to dilute the brand. We want to make sure that we preserve that, that heritage and um, be able to continue to invest more in the product development side. And so um, if, with a cash-strapped company, it, it's hard to do all those things, but we think there's a, you know, a rabid customer base out there that we want to get in front of and, and deliver really good products to them. And so uh, really be able to accelerate those things simultaneously uh, would have been challenging to do in the past, and we think we can, we can do that going forward. I got to ask you guys about pricing. I know a bunch of people are going to be wondering about this. And, you know, honestly, I've had a bunch of conversations with different people in the industry who, you know, when the conversation turns to forefront, there are people who are just like, I don't know how they're able to do this, you know, with like really low prices on stuff. And honestly, that conversation often gets to kind of be like, they don't see how this is even possible. So I think obviously any company has got to have pricing that actually makes sense. So I guess the question is, is there anything that you can share with us about this? Because honestly, I will be one of those people who would like raise their hand and say like, yeah, it's always great when it's like, look how inexpensive a certain product is. But if that is too cheap to let a company be healthy and flourish, that price is wrong in my humble opinion. So I just would be interested in hearing some of your thoughts on this. And because again, I think there's going to be thousands of people listening to this wondering about the topic of pricing. Yeah, I, I got I, I should address it because I was the one making all the pricing decisions right up to a few weeks ago. Um, so when I acquired the business, it was 100% selling to retailers. And it was selling skis at like nine hundred dollars plus in two thousand seventeen. The first day I launched the new product line for Jay, my other brand, we sold like hundred plus skis in the first few days. You know, this is in August. I launched Forefront. I go, okay, here we are. You know, I've got. I I, I adopted basically three thousand pair of skis in my warehouse from the previous owners, and I'm going to make update the website. And here we go. Let's sell some skis. We literally sold one ski that day. And my customer service guy said he spent over an hour with the customer talking him into it. The next day, we didn't sell any skis. The next day, we might have sold one ski. I go, holy shit, I'm fucked. I've got 3,000 skis that nobody wants. Or at least they don't want it to buy them online. So there's like two challenges here. Like one, the product's too expensive because, and why is it too expensive? Because you're selling it really through retailers that determine the price because they each have to mark it up. Same with distributors before it gets to the consumer. So by the time it goes through all the middlemen, they got to be $900. We're only building a few, a few hundred pair a year, a few thousand pair a year. That's not much compared to other brands. These big companies building a few hundred thousand. So our costs are higher. And by the time the middlemen mark it up, it's super high in the stores just for them. And I can't sell that online. And no one knows to come online to buy them. They don't even know we're doing this. So the reason I sold it online is because we weren't making any money selling it to retailers. It, that's why the business was financially distraught for all of its years in existence. So we had to move to e-commerce. We had to sell it direct to get the margin out of the product to pay our bills. 
And in order to make it more appealing, uh, more appetizing, more awareness, early on we lowered the prices dramatically. They were around $500 every ski, including Hoji's Pro Model. And we got through that first year that way. It was our only way to, and, and, and I'll tell you this, the first year we actually didn't lose money ever in the history of the brand. That for even as low as they were, we, you know, and there's some other reasons because we weren't operating on a full year, but we just had to get to that finish line for year one. And those lower prices enabled us to do it direct. Year two, we raised the prices a little bit more. We saw what was, you know, what the consumer, again, that's what we've been talking about. What is the consumer willing to pay for this product? We pushed the limits on that, went a little higher still, like you're saying, great price. You know, most of the skis under 600 bucks, 599. And in the third year, we brought them up to fairly normal prices right now. When I say normal, they're, 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 uh, we're not selling $900 skis, $1,000 skis. I'm saying most of the skis are six to 700 bucks. That's, that's a reasonable, it's not too low, it's not too high, but I think what you're hearing in the past, yes, they were too low. We needed to do what we needed to do to get to where we are today. Today, we're selling skis at what I think is really competitive prices, amazing value, direct to the consumer, which enables us to, to run a, a standalone, uh, financially stable business at that point. Um, so it just depends on where you are. In three years, I mean, and think about this, in three years, you only have five months a year to make any changes and, and learn and test from those changes. So really, it was in, in the course of like, you know, 15, 16 months that we took the business from from not making money, selling exclusively to retailers to 100% direct at regular prices and running efficiently like a modern business should. Um, so it was all about that 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 process, that, that price played a huge hand in enabling us to get here in that short time. Charlie? Yeah, I would just, yeah, I'd just add that, um, that this is a story that we're going to be working on telling to our customers just because the forefront skis are less expensive at full retail than the other skis that we're winning awards right next to doesn't mean that the skis are inferior. They're, they're the same quality. It's the business model that allows us to, to deliver the skis to the customer at, at what we think is the best value in the industry. So let's talk now a bit about the team and how you guys are thinking about that and like what's happening on that front. Yeah, when we when we first started looking at this, I mean, the the team that was already in place and the and the team that got forefront to where it is today was a huge part of our consideration and um, we right away, I think our second call was with was with Hoji and we made it clear to Jay that we're not sure that we want to move forward if Eric's not part of the team. And we met Sam right away and, and his um, involvement with the team was super important to us. And we needed him to be stoked about the future of Forefront in order for us to, to move forward. And we even, the, the brand heritage is so important and everybody who's been involved in Forefront over the last 18 years has had, has had impact on, on, what the brand is today. And we thought that was really important. We had a call with Matt Sturbins, the founder, before we closed on Forefront to really understand his story with the brand and how it came to be so that we could really understand that heritage as, as much as possible um, so that we can continue it going forward. Sam, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, working with the team is like a, a super valuable part of, of my job and and of the direction of the brand. We're listening to them. We're taking suggestions. They're out there. I mean, except for um, Hoji and Thane, a lot of these guys are hometown heroes, you know. They're out there because they love skiing and they're passionate about skiing. Um, maybe social media isn't on the top of their radar, but they're out doing badass stuff all the time. And they live and breathe skiing. And... That's why we've involved them and we, we really value their opinion on our product. And if, if something that we're making isn't working for them or they don't like the graphic or they don't like the performance or whatever, like that's what we address first because these are the people that we're basing all of our decisions off of. This is what our customer base is like. Um, 
So obviously having Eric involved and getting him on board for another three years is a huge advantage to us in terms of product development and brand awareness. And same with Thane. Thane has a pro model ski, which is a pretty niche pro, pro model ski for us, but it has such a cult following because Thane's doing something that not everybody's doing, but everybody wants to do. Everybody watches the ski movie and wants to land backwards after off, off a huge cliffs backwards, but... Like there's not a lot of tools out there that allow you to do that. And Thane worked his ass off to create this ski on his own time behind everybody's back because he he wanted something in the product line that worked for him. So, you know, moving forward, we we work hard with these guys to promote them and listen to what they're what they're saying. And that's an important aspect of, of the brand growth. Also, our entire marketing campaign is based around these guys. Like we're not we're not shooting movies anymore. We're not renting a helicopter to to go film in Alaska. We're relying on these dudes and their buddies to take out their phone and shoot video and to wear a GoPro and go ski something that they ski every day. And like that to us is the strongest marketing possible for a brand. It's it's relatable stuff, but it's something that everybody wants to do, but not everybody's doing. So we find in our marketing that sometimes those red camera shots do really well for sure. The ski movie production shots do really well, but what does even better is somebody skiing down a groomer and popping off a side hit and tapping a tree or making a crazy powder turn with a friend behind their cell phone in low quality hooting and hollering. Like that's the stuff that does really well for us. And without the team, we wouldn't have that. I, I don't have the time to strap on a GoPro and go ski icy stuff in Vermont. Like that's, that's not, that's not what, I have the time to do so i'm relying on all these cats to to hook us up with content and they're doing a kick-ass job of it and the team is is super valuable for us for so many reasons i could also just give some history on on the team like when i acquired the business um you know matt had already um downsized it just out of absolute pure necessity you know um and, and that was everyone that worked at Forefront was basically a team rider at some point. You know, it was like, hey, you're not going to be out there shooting anymore with level one. Come on in and edit videos for, for us. You know, oh, you're not going to like come on in and do customer service. And it was awesome. Oh, pack boxes in the back. Like, I mean, Forefront always has and always will be. And, you know, these guys all agree. Uh, be athlete driven, you know, by skiers for skiers, period. That's it. That's all. And, and that's not an, it's an easy thing to say, but uh, they walk the talk forefront, you know, and always have since day one, you know, Matt was a pro skier back at Squaw working in the parking lot when he started building his first ski. And every athlete that came along, a lot of them became owners of the business at one point or another, you know, and um, so it's just, there's not many, there's a lot of brands that say, hey, this is athlete developed and, and whatnot, but literally I was shocked to show up uh, the first time to meet them in person and see Hoji literally making a ski, like developing his own ski and same with Thane and other athletes would come in and do, and do that. And, and today we're still doing that. You know, like Eric is working directly with not the marketing guy to develop the ski, but the engineer. That's different than a lot of these big companies and companies I've been involved in in the past and, and seen. Um, you know, he's literally talking numbers. He's sharing CAD drawings. You know, he's seeing seeing in his in his basement uh, parts for like this Torlock system and then sending it to us. You know, and that's just one of a kind, man. I mean, to have athletes that involved, we're, they're not just influencing. They're literally designing and building skis with us, and it's just incredibly powerful, rare, and uh, and makes Forefront what it is. Yeah, I also think one of the coolest parts is when not everybody has the design capabilities that Hoji has. Obviously, our ski engineer takes it to the next level and creates the product that we then send to our factory. It's a very closed loop. But then we rely on our team to test these ideas. Like We're creating a prototype that we send out 15 pairs across the country, East Coast, West Coast, Canada, to our team to test and and try out what Eric has created. Um, and I think that's a really cool aspect that 
we don't always see is it's not just somebody creating an idea, a factory creating the product and then putting it in the line. It's like we put it through rigorous tests and multiple rounds of prototypes to get it to where our team signs off on it. And it's not just one person saying this product's great or Eric saying this is my new pro model ski. It's like if Eric loves it, but the rest of the team doesn't love it, then like something needs to be addressed. And so having all of these people that are able to give us input in different parts of the country from, you know, icy stuff on the East Coast or tight trees on the East Coast to open shoots, couloirs, whatever on the West Coast skiing pal, like we listen to everybody and try to make sure that every product has as many people trying it before we come to market with it. So at that point, we're sure that this is the best ski that we could possibly put out. Yeah, I just think it's really important for our customers and our fans to know that with this change in ownership, we have made zero changes to the team, except that we added one team member, Nick Africano, who's taken um, taken some of Sam's uh, roles that he's given up as he moves into the brand manager position. And I mean, we're so stoked on the team for everybody throughout the whole process has been so great to work with. And we're super excited to continue with them. And even Jay, we talked into staying on for the first year to as in a consulting capacity to help us with the transition and to really help us learn the business. It, you Is his official title just like Forefront Life Coach? <laughs> <laughs> Jay, life Coach, dude. I was, you're, not, you're not seeing my real my life, Life Coach, man. I, my yeah. family will disagree. I'll be like, stop. Get off the computer. I think this is your next, I think this is your next thing, Jay. Just life coaching. Anything's easier than trying to run a ski business. I would actually like to volunteer for a role at Forefront. It's going to be a very specific role. Uh, <laughs> and it's anytime there might be some ski test that only tests backcountry skis on a frozen groomer and then complains that the Raven doesn't carve well, my title and role will be just to go kick the shit out of those people. Okay? Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. I've complained about this and I'm just like, want to know how I know you should not be weighing in on ski reviews and ski tests. You say shit like that. And, and I'm also going to kick the shit out of you guys. If I come back and when I read like, Oh, we redesigned the Raven this year. Now it has an 18 meter radius and it carves way better on frozen groomers. That's when, you know, like I will find out where you live and I will come after you. So, don't worry, that's not on the agenda. I've now put all my threats out to to you guys and other people out there, so I, I'm going to stop talking now. But anyway. You spoke for the customers, man. You spoke for the fans. Let's just say, look, you're welcome. You're welcome to make a new ski, and that can be whatever you want. But what shouldn't happen is when we take skis that already are a thing and they kind of have a heritage and they work extremely well in a specific application just don't turn that thing into something else i love that i love that you said that jonathan and i've heard you say that a number of times that like if a ski is great don't fucking change it and that's something that we're, we're being driven by our customers so if our customers are loving our skis we're not going to change them you know, we don't have a retailer or somebody else telling us that they need an updated, a new ski in order to sell it. And again, I'm not mad about people who like short turn radii skis in the backcountry. If you like to wiggle your way down mountains, that's fine. Totally great. I am mad about people that go test backcountry skis on frozen corduroy because that's just bullshit. So... That's for you, Jay. I threw that in for you, Jay. Yeah, well, I've sold a lot of skis that that surf really good in the deep pal, but carve like a bat out of hell. So be careful. <laughs> you've you've written good reviews about them too. So yeah, it's not always what it seems. It's not always what it seems. Well, I want to let you guys get going soon. One of the things I have to say, I thought it was really interesting. The number. You know, we posted something uh, about the news yesterday and the number of comments that came in on our site that actually I think were like universally positive about this was really something else to me. I mean, normally what we see is 
an announcement. Ski Brand X got sold, and all you see is like this super huge uproar of everybody screaming and yelling and being certain this is the end of a brand and blah blah blah. And I, I don't. I'm either want to just give props to the blister audience and the comments here. If I'm able to kind of like extrapolate out a little bit, I thought it was really interesting that people were like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And like, we're excited to see how this goes. And I frankly think the, you know, hearing all of you talk about this today and the different skill sets that each of you is kind of bringing to the, to the team and your, your clear passion for skiing, I do actually think you've given people a lot more reason maybe to feel pretty excited about where Forefront might be headed. Sam, I don't know, what are, what are your thoughts about kind of the initial response to the news? Sure. I think like the initial um, ownership change with Jason really stirred stirred everybody's emotions about the brand. But I think three years later, we look back on what Jason's done for the brand. And obviously, we're in a better spot than we were. We have stayed true to everything that most people really cherished about the brand. Um, so I think that Jason kind of proved that you can switch ownership and continue the forward momentum of the brand um, and, and better it from where it was, you know? And I think we, we were able to, yeah, there was a lot of controversy about losing some of the team and a lot of that stuff wasn't Jason to begin with. But I think Jason really proved that, you know, just because it's a change of ownership doesn't mean the brand's losing its ideals and values. Like we've stayed true to Forefront. We've continued to make badass skis and badass product turned up the old flair of graphics and really slimmed down the team to be super nimble and competitive in the industry. Um, and I think with these new guys, I am fully confident that we'll continue that, that growth in the right direction, um, keep everything that Forefront has lived and breathed since 2002 and just continue to elevate the brand, get it into more people's hands and show more people how, how great these skis are and how, how awesome of a product we're creating over here. Well, guys, thanks. I appreciate you guys giving us more of the backstory here and really learning more about each of your own respective backgrounds. And uh, this is going to be interesting to see how you move this brand forward. And um, we will watch with a lot of interest here. So good luck with all of it. And uh, thanks for the conversation today. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thank you, Jonathan. Now, before we go, I do want to talk a little bit about what I'm celebrating this week, and I've basically got two quick things here. One, I'm celebrating connecting with old friends because new friends are great, but let's face it, those ones you've had forever and reconnecting with them, it's kind of the best. So here's to old friends and getting back in touch and catching up. Now, the other thing I want to celebrate because unlike the fact that I've been connecting with some old friends, I haven't been connecting with this as much recently, and that is sleep. So I've just been reminded all over again how sleep, for the most part, is free. And it's a free thing that if you actually get it, turns out it makes you just like instantly, I don't know, what, 10%, 20% happier, and your life is just better. And so here's to one free thing that if we just maybe don't have to do things like buyer's guides and some other stuff we're going to be talking about soon, you can get it, it's free, and you then wake up and you feel great and life is good. And so you know what? Here's to the free things in life. And of the free things in life, sleep is definitely one of the best of them. And I'm going to try to keep telling myself that and hopefully I act on this. So here's to you, sleep and old friends. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to Jay Lev and Charlie and Will and Ebby and Sam. And we wish all of you guys good luck going forward. And then don't forget to go to blister.getspot.com to get yourself $20,000 of accident insurance starting at just 25 bucks a month. Get it, and then you can go back to doing a bunch of really stupid stuff to try to get yourself featured on Jerry of the Day or whatever. So come on, you've got videos to make and crashes to film, and honestly, we kind of want to see some of those videos. So just before you do that, go to blister.getspot.com. 
I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And if you are enjoying these Gear 30 conversations, we'd very much appreciate it if you would leave us a nice little rating or review in Apple Podcasts. Okay, thanks everybody, and we will talk to you again next Friday here on Gear 30. You can catch us Mondays on the Blister Podcast. We've got another good one coming your way this Monday. And then, of course, we've got Off the Couch on Tuesdays, and then on Thursdays, Bikes and Big Ideas. Okay, that's what we've got going on. And from all of us here in the Gunnison Valley, please be safe out there. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will be talking to you again real soon.